Okay, we have started and we're going to finish today the book of Romans, okay? Romans, we have been doing it for several weeks. We started out in the book of Romans talking about God, okay, and man's opinion of God. And many, how, how often time in man's opinion of God, it turns them away from God because they like to put who on the throne? Self. Me. Me. Okay? I like to put me on the throne. Uh, and so if I'm in control and I'm in charge and I'm the most important thing, then God is not. And I don't care. And what Paul is saying is, you've missed the point. God's given you enough choice out there to decide whether it's just through even creation, understanding that there was something much larger behind the design of creation, or uh, however you approach God, okay, you need to know that there is something larger. Then he talks about how all people have fallen short of God, right, of God's standard. In other words, God says, here's where you need to be. You can't reach it. Everybody has faltered. Whether you were a Jew, part of the, Israel, uh, the nation of Israel, which was God's chosen nation, or anybody else, you've fallen short. Okay? And by that, you need to be redeemed. You need to be bought back. God says, you can't ever match up my standard. But I have given you a gift. And with faith, if you believe that this gift is true and real, that I will forgive you because I say I will, then I will do it. All right? And so we've we talked about faith and we talked about Abraham having enough faith to do what God asked him to do, to leave his home, to go through uh, a land he'd never seen, and God promised him things, and he did not see them all with his own eyes, but all things came true. And he said he had faith because he believed God's promises. It's as simple as that. Believing in God's promises. Okay? Now, this book was written to the church in... Rome. Rome. Okay. <laughs> the church in Rome. And Paul had never met or had never been to Rome at the point where he wrote this book. He had seen many people from Rome. Rome was the capital city of the known world at the time. Okay. So Rome. What was that, Rome? It was in the boot. Okay. Don't forget Sicily. Okay? So, <laughs> drawn perfectly to scale, this is the Mediterranean Sea. Okay? Israel is over here. Wait, but isn't this the bubble? Well, think about this. The known world at the time, when Paul is there, Pretty much most of the population of the whole entire world is all there. Okay? 
Western civilization is there, and that's where out of, well, East, the Eastern, Middle East, comes uh, Israel, comes Christ out of here, okay? Christ is born into the Roman Empire, and the Romans have taken over the world, the world, the known world at this time, the civilized, they called it, world. This is, of course, down here, that's the Nile River, right? This whole section down here is all Africa. Okay, this is all Asia up here. Uh, this is the Middle East. And up in here is all of Europe. Okay, so basically... The center of the world is wrapped around this sea. And the Romans, because they took it all over, they called it Mare Nostrum, which just means it's like our little, our little lake. We own it all. We took it all over with the army. We tell people what to do. And so when you hear about the Roman soldiers uh, during Christ's birth, and also the Roman soldiers, of course, are the ones that actually physically crucified Christ, right? It was all during Roman occupation. In other words, an army came into your country, took it all over, and there were soldiers that lived all around you. In fact, they also may quarter in your house at times and just say, we're staying the night with you. You had no choice. They also could walk up to you and say, I have my backpack, my, my things that I've been carrying and marching with, hand it to you and say, you have to carry it a mile. That was the law. Okay? So you are in an occupied country. That's where Christ was born in that country and lived his entire life in a Roman-occupied country. So Paul, after Christ's death, is going through Rome... Okay, he, we talked about his missionary journeys. They end up all through here. He kind of goes back. He ends up going, there's also an island of Crete here. Okay, he ends up going through all of this area there and starts to spread the gospel. And that's where he writes all these books, these letters back to churches. Colossae and Galatia. Okay, so you get Galatians and Colossians. Uh, Thessalonians, where you go to the... the town of Thessalonica. Okay, Corinth is the book of Corinthians. And Corinth, these are all things throughout Greece and throughout Eurasia. Okay, these are areas where he spread the gospel. He talked about Christ. The story of Christ is what he did. So as he's doing this, he meets people all along. And this is important for today's lesson. He meets people as he stops at all these little towns all over here. Some of them love to see him. Other ones try to kill him. Other ones put him in jail. He goes to the town of Philippi and they put him in jail for speaking. Another one, I think it was Derby. He went to the town of Derby, I think. Lister and Derby were two little sister cities right together. And they stoned him to death, they thought. They threw him outside of the, outside of the city because they thought he was dead. Now, you have to be pretty lifeless after they stone you to, they, for them to throw you outside of the city thinking you're dead. He's all done. Can you imagine waking up from being stoned? How good that feels. 
right? And you know what he did? He got up and he walked to the next city and talked about Christ, okay? He was determined despite what was happening. He was determined to tell about Christ, all right? So Rome he's not been to yet, but he has met people from Rome. Rome was the capital city of the world at the time. That is where the leader of Rome, which what's his, what's his title? Caesar. I always spell this wrong. Yeah, Caesar. Okay, Caesar is in Rome. And I think it, it was Nero, maybe, at that time. Um, doesn't really matter. Caesar was in Rome, and he was going to head to Rome. He wanted to head to Rome. But Paul has been working to get through all of these other areas beforehand. And so he writes to Rome. He tells them all about uh, these things that we've been talking about. And then he finishes up his last, the last two chapters. And we're going to hit a couple of highlights in those last two chapters. Romans chapter 15. <coughs> Romans chapter 15, not yet. I want to talk about chickens first. Because, <laughs> so, I have had chickens several times in my life, and with chickens, a lot of times they'll get together and be okay. But every once in a while, they will find one particular, it's always been a hen in my cases, where a hen gets picked on. Some rooster gets after this hen and starts to pull all the feathers out of the back of it. And then once it starts, every other hen will go after that same hen. And they will pull the feathers out of the back of that one poor chicken until it's raw. There's not a feather left on its entire back. And I've watched them as one hen goes after. Even though she didn't necessarily start the thing, they all find it. It's called a pecking order, right? And the one that's on the bottom of the pecking order gets attacked by everybody. The other hens, and I've kicked at those other hens trying to get them away from them, and they go right back at it. Of course, I'm not standing there the whole time. They go right back at that hen. And sometimes they can do it so much that they peck her and kill her. They just can be nasty. Right? So what kind of feelings does that make you feel about that hen? Oh my gosh. <laughs> what do you think? What's the right thing to think about that? What do you feel towards that other hen that just keeps going after? Sympathy. You're sympathi sympathetic to the, the hen that they're like they're at going after. You get a little mad. Angry. Throw the chicken. <laughs> Frustrated with them. You're sad about this poor hen, and can't anybody just leave her alone? But they don't. They continue to go after her and after her. And everybody knows that feeling, and nobody wants it to happen to a chicken. And yet, as humans, very, very often, we treat each other this way. We go after people. Not usually 
plucking any feathers out because no one's missing feathers that I'm seeing here, right? But we go after them with our words, attitudes and words. And Paul's going to talk about this. There are those that are weaker, okay? And they wait, those hens waited until they saw which one got the worst. And then they all went after her, the weakest one, the one that was on the bottom always going after her. So Paul talks about that in Romans 15. So let's go to Romans chapter 15. Verse number 1 and 2, please, if you would read that. Thank you. We then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let every one of us please his neighbor for his good to... Edification, okay? Uh, Edifying means to basically make them better through education, sort of, okay? So, Paul says there are strong ones and there are weak ones. Strong ones and weak ones. The infirmities of the weak. What's an infirmity? A weak spot. Okay, they have a weak spot. There is a weak spot, or a sickness, you could call it, but a weak spot's a good thing. So there are those who are strong and those who are weak. And those who are strong tend to have lots of talents. They may have power. Okay, they may have abilities. They may have better opportunities. All of those things make people strong in their life. They have skills and personalities which put them over the top in a lot of things in life. They're, it's easy for them to do stuff. And you know people like this, that it's easy. Everything just flows from them so easily. And then there are those who fight for every step. So what Paul is saying is, it is the same way in our world of people who believe. And Paul says to the Roman people, there are many of you who are amazing people. Lots of talents, lots of abilities, lots of things that you can do. Don't take those talents and abilities and powers and opportunities that you have and use them like they do for pecking that hen to death. Take them, those opportunities and talents and abilities and skills and things you have, and protect those who are weaker. That's what you need to do, all right? You need to take those, all that you have, all that you have as an advantage, and use your advantages to protect the weak. Protect the weak, all right? Now, why is this important? He says, let every one of us, instead of using all these things to make your own life better, And say, well, I want to make my life better. Please myself. I'm going to do whatever I want to do. I don't care about anybody else. And that is oftentimes our attitude towards a lot of people. We say, I'm smart. 
I'm amazing, I'm talented, I can do what I want, I'm gonna make sure I get what I want out of life. But that's not what God says to do. God says take those things you have and help those who don't have them. You're given them for a reason. God gave you these talents, God gave you these abilities, God gave you those things to watch for those people around you and protect them. Watch for the hen that's getting all the feathers plucked out of them and protect them. The underdog, fight for that underdog and help them and protect them. So use it and stand up for somebody who is down on the bottom, okay? Those who are getting themselves pecked to death. Don't use it for your own. Use it for other people, all right? That is what we are given things for, is to use for others. So if you happen to be an amazing musician, or you're an amazing scientist, or you're just a fantastic speaker, or uh, you have abilities in art, or many things, lots of things you could do, mechanical abilities, or you have a brain for mathematics, or whatever it is. Whatever those things are, you are given those things for a purpose in this life, all right? Be aware you're not using it just for your own self. Be aware that you are fighting for those who are weaker than you. They're given to you for that reason. Verse number three. Well, even Christ please not, 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 not himself, but as it is written, the, the, the reproaches, the reproaches of them that reproached the on they the So your shame my shame the worst things we ever did the things that I wouldn't tell you about because I don't want you to know about thoughts that I have thought towards other people things I have done in secrecy, those types of things that I don't want to tell you about, Christ took all of those worst things on himself when he went to the cross for me, for you. He took the worst, most disgusting parts of us and said, I'll die for that lowly worm of a person. And that's what I am. Not a fantastic person. Without Christ, I am nobody. I'm a hypocrite without Christ. Okay? I might look wonderful on the outside, but without Christ, without God inside, I have nothing. Jesus took those things on. So when you look at that person that gets picked on, that everybody in their crowd says, oh, you're not going to be their friend, are you? You know them in school, those people that nobody will go near, those people who people stand away and push them away. Those are the people 
that they're talking about here. And yep, they might be annoying. And they might even smell or have something like that. But think about this. Christ took on the very worst of us to befriend us when we were not good. And he said, I'll do this and I will redeem you. How much should we reach out for those people around us, those underdogs, those people that everybody else is, oh, I'm not going to be around them. You are called to be something different. If you believe in Christ, if you believe in God, you are called to be something different than that. So Paul says, don't be like the others. Go out and fight for those who are under, who are constantly pulled under, those who have no chance of fighting. That's what you were given skills and abilities and talents to do. Verse number four and five, please. For whatsoever things were written aforetime, were written for our work, that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. Now the God of patience and consolation grant you to be like-minded one towards another according to Jesus Christ. Okay, so here is something that God is going to teach us. Have you ever said, that person is so annoying? I have. For real, God is a God of patience, and God is a God of comfort. He has given patience towards you and given you comfort. And so what he is saying is, make sure you extend the same to others. Patience. That means all the annoying habits that that person may have, It is your choice to decide whether you are going to be annoyed by them. You don't have to be. You can say, I'm not going to do it. I will not be annoyed. You can say, but it's so annoying. No, it's not. It's you deciding that it's annoying. What that means is, translated, they're so annoying means I am so impatient with them. That's what that means. (laughs) which sounds way different than they're annoying right because you put it on them to say they're annoying they are who they are right they are who they are translated says i make a choice how i treat them i want to say they're annoying then i'm going to treat them and say i'm better than them and that's not what we learned right we are there to protect the weak They may not be as skilled as you or as talented as you or smell as nice as you, right? Or whatever it is. Or maybe they're not as smart as you. But I am given all those opportunities. Okay? Maybe they were raised in a house that was much worse than yours. I was given great opportunities. I better use those to help them. Okay? Learning through patience. And it says the word, God's word, will teach you patience with them. Patience is what you need to have. It's what I need to have. Okay? Many different people in this world. Verse number 6 and 7, please. 
Okay? So when you have learned patience, when you have learned to be more like God, then you start to get an understanding of how God treats us and how we are annoying. But God doesn't allow himself to be annoyed by us. Right? He is ever patient. And when we realize the depth of his patience with us and we start to say, oh, I have done a lot of things wrong. We start to get a real view of ourself and how we act and how we're not so nice to other people. When we get that real view of ourself, then we start to say, God is amazing. And you start to be able to praise God rather than just tell everybody how good you are. You say, wow, God is incredible. Let me tell you about God. And that's where Paul was. Paul was one of the most intelligent men probably ever to live. They believe his IQ was far above many others. And yet, with all of that, if you, if you don't believe me, try to read through his books. Read through some chapters. You've got to read them six or seven times just to get out of one verse what he has, okay? There are so many words you read, it doesn't even sink in because it's everything is full. His language is full. He has great meanings behind it. And the Spirit of God helped him do that, but he does not approach it in that way. He approaches it to say, let's learn this together, okay? He doesn't say, well, I'm better than you and I'm smarter than you, okay? Only one time... Did he bite back a little bit when everybody else was saying how annoying he was? Okay? But it was to teach a lesson. That's a whole other thing. All right, so with all of that, help think correctly. Now, when we wrap this book up, I told you we were going to do two chapters. Don't look at people as annoying. Look at them as an opportunity. Look at them as a gem that might be a diamond in the rough. Very rough, maybe. But you don't know what person God was, had put you on this earth to draw to him. You have relationships in your families, in school, all different ones. Every one of you, though you all know each other, has different relationships with people in different places. You will have different ones as you go and you go out to work, different ones as you're in different extracurricular activities, okay? All of those things, those relationships are on purpose. It is not by mistake or by chance that you run into those people. So what are you going to do with them? It is the most valuable thing, and I hope you learn this lesson in your life early. Relationships with people are the most valuable thing you will gain in this life. You can put all your efforts towards having a great job and a big house and fancy cars and great fame and you could be the best in something in your own field and whatever it is but in the end all those things will melt away and the people standing at your bedside the day you die is where things matter because all those things you lose that day you could fight and fight and fight for them all your life but it is the value that comes in not in money but in relationship. And so 
Paul is saying, if you fight for those underdogs, you fight for the hen that's getting pecked to death, you will build these relationships because you don't know what God is doing in their life. You don't know. You could be the one that saved them from making a bad choice. You could be that encouraging word when someone really needed it, when they were about ready to take their own life or about ready to do something stupid. You don't know that. And you could be the one that leads them to an eternal relationship with God. And that is bringing gems into Christ. And so, with that, let me read you. I told you, Paul would never been to Rome, right? I'm going to read a couple of verses. We're going to go into chapter 16. I'm going to start with verse 1. And... Speaking of Phoebe's, I'm going to read through some highlights. These are all the people that Paul, in his missionary journeys, has met that are connected with Rome in some way, and the people in Rome know them. Because Paul's already built relationships with dozens of people. Okay? Chapter 16, verse 1. I commend unto you Phoebe. Our servant, our sister, which is a servant of the church, which is at Sencria, okay? That you receive her in the Lord as becoming saints, and that you assist her in whatsoever business she hath need of you, for she hath been a succorer of many, or a helper, and also of myself. Greet Priscilla and Aquila. My helpers in Christ Jesus, who have for my life laid down their own necks, unto whom not only I give thanks, but also the churches of the Gentiles. Likewise, greet the church that is in their house. Salute my well-beloved, well, Apentus, okay, who is the firstfruits of Achaia unto Christ. Greet Mary. Verse 7, greet Andronicus and Junia, my kinsmen, my fellow prisoners. Verse 8, greet Amplius, who is the beloved in the Lord. Salute Urbane, our helper in Christ, and Stachus, my beloved. Salute Apelles in Christ, and Aristobulus, household. Salute Herodion, my kinsmen, and the household of Narcissus. Verse 12, salute Tryphena and Tryphosa. These are quite the names, man. Right? 13, salute Rufus and his mother, who is his mother, who is mine as well. Salute Asyncritus and Phlegon and Hermes and Patrobas and Hermes and all the brethren, Philologus and Julia and Nerus, his sister, and Olympus. And then it goes on and on, and it will do, do it for the next several verses. He knows all these people, all right? <laughs> and they are a strange bunch of names, right? I don't tell you because they're strange names. I tell you because Paul realizes that he his relationships with people are what matters, okay? And Paul has used his abilities and talents and skills to help others, and others have helped him. And he said, Priscilla and Aquila, they put their necks on the line for me. Right? They literally saved his life. Paul had to run for his life several times, and I believe it was them. They lowered him over the wall in a basket outside of a city wall just to get him from being killed. Okay, Time and time again, people 
are the gems that God gives you. So beware and be careful. Be thankful for those people you have, those relationships, and use your relationships for good, for growth. And don't say, oh, they're so annoying, right? Use them and say, I'm going to choose not to be annoyed. I am going to care about those people. I'm going to fight for those people. All right? That is the way that Paul ends this. He talks about the value of all of these people. Phlegus and Phoebe. All right? <laughs> all of those people that mean so much to him that he has come across in life. And he says, this, this is who I've got. These are the people that I've got. These are the gems that I'm sending to you. You know these people too, and they're amazing. All right? So know that treating people well matters. And know that it is our attitude. We choose how we treat people. We make the choice. And we will answer before God and how we treat people. So be aware. Be thoughtful of it and mindful to help people and not to tear them down. Okay? Thank you very much. Have a good day.